Hello, film fans. Welcome to the Film vs. Film podcast. My name is Martin Harris, your host, and I'm joined by the film encyclopedia man, Pius Dix. We are a couple of filmmakers on occasion, but mainly can't stop yapping about movies. On this podcast, every episode we pick a topic from a film that's coming out of the cinema or on VOD. Myself and Bias pick our favourite film from that topic and we battle it out to decide which film will become the greatest film of all time, according to two film geeks from Wiltshire, England. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe. Hello, podsters. Welcome to the Film vs. Film podcast. This week, as old is coming out in cinemas. No, I'm not calling everyone old. That's the title of the film. It is called Old. <laughs> From director M. Night Shyamalan. Or however Shyamalan. you say his name. <laughs> Shyamalan, right? Shyamalan. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> so we'll be picking our favourite films from Shyamalan's work. As ever, I am joined by the Mr. Encyclopedia Man. That is Mr. Boaz Dix. How are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. You are right, man? I'm very well. Uh, Bit knacked, but um, <laughs> I will push through for my audience. Yes. Oh, for those people in Alaska and Hawaii. Wow. That far, huh? Should we do signs first? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I went with signs. I remember watching this for the first time, actually, at school. Yeah. (laughs) For some reason, it was like middle school. Um, I was around 12. This came out in 2002. I don't know why, but we kind of just had a choice between signs and eight-legged freaks. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like the movie with giant spiders. I know that film. I know it very well. My God, that film creeped the hell out yeah. of me as a kid. But that's a great film as well. I quite like that. Really? <laughs> yeah. But I think I chose Signs over Eight-Legged Freaks because, yeah, <laughs> Eight-Legged Freaks was a bit freaky. But yeah, I quite like this film. It's, um, you know, it's, it's got some genuinely, like, brilliant jump scares and re-watching it for this, it, I think those scares definitely do hold up. Mm. Some really great directing techniques from M. Night Shyamalan. Um See, so, yeah, I still enjoy this film. What did you make of this one, Boaz, then? Yeah, I thought it was great. I think it's quite it's an interestingly shot film. It's yeah, it's a good story. I think also like the themes of it, it's not just about like aliens and what have you. Mm-hmm. It's about um faith and belief and and family. And obviously there's the big plot hole that obviously ruins it a little bit. Yeah. Like why would aliens go to a planet yeah. <laughs> two thirds full of water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when that's their weakness, but Bo says the water's contaminated, so it's obviously got some sort of disease in it. So. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, the, the answer is obvious. The aliens are idiots. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not the most impressive alien species that's tried to take down a planet, you know. I mean, they have to communicate by fucking up crop fields, so, you know. Yeah, and I mean... It's <laughs> not the best it's use not, of communication. It, no, it's not. I mean, you can tell, you know that they can radio each other, right? Like, they, they get into their transmission... But yeah, they've got to communicate target with crop fields. Also, they don't come <laughs> down guns blazing. They go hand to hand. Like, that's a bit silly. Don't you think so? Do they not have guns where they're from? I think they explain in this script at some point, They they some guy talks about how, like the military guy, mm. he talks about how, you know, they just send out the scouts first and see if everything's okay. And then they bring everyone else in. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think like they're, they're the most uh, you know impressive alien race, but I think what, they're basically just snatching up some humans for some reason, 
That's like the explanation given at the end. Like they disappear because mm. they they're just abducting a couple of you know some humans for some reason. They don't actually want the planet. So maybe it makes a little more sense in retrospect. You go, yeah. Maybe it's something <laughs> in our human bodies that they quite like. And they're just like, really, another planet with water that has life? Come on, yeah. why? <laughs> Can't there just be a dust bowl with human beings <laughs> on it? Not gonna happen. Sorry, aliens. <laughs> Gotta have water. Yeah. So what happens in signs? Well, in signs, a family, a farming family, who grow crop fields. Mel Gibson plays Graham Hess, who used to be a reverend, and he lost his wife in a terrible car accident and kind of lost his faith. So he's not a reverend anymore, and he keeps having to remind the town that he's living in that he's not a reverend, (laughs) which is interesting, even though they kind of, everyone keeps trying to, you know, gain solace from him. But then one day, their kids, Morgan and Bo, find a crop circle where all the the wheat has been, like, batted down to make these circles, and it it just seems very odd that they're all and they're not like snapped or damaged or anything mm. and then um as the film goes on it's just a lot of noises going on in the house and some strange things then on the news there's these flashing lights in the sky and they soon realize that aliens are coming to earth and they have to deal with a few particular a- a- aliens around their their community and their house and they have to fight them off basically mm. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's it's, it's a fa- fairly like typical alien invasion film, but just on a, on a fairly small scale with this family. So directing, then I like all the little teases of the alien, where Graham Hess, played by Mel Gibson, sees a silhouette on the roof. When Graham and Meryl, played by Joaquin Phoenix, run around the house and they just see like a little shadow, then noises on the roof, then suddenly the swing moves, and then there's a little noise on the edge of the crops as the alien ex- escapes. But I feel like the silhouette of the alien was a bit too much because you get like quite a good look at it mm. <laughs> of the shape of the alien. And then at the end, when you see the alien in full view, there's not much to him apart from, you know, the shape and size when you've already seen that in the silhouette. So, yeah. you know, in the design, there's not much to him. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree with that. The, the designs of the aliens are a little underwhelming. They're just... Kind of tall, lanky mm. green men. Yeah. No, nothing much really to them. I guess you got to put into account the time, I guess, CG in that time in early noughties wasn't amazing anyway, but for that type of image. But I do like many of the teases to the aliens. They very much tease it out. I wish they hadn't really, I think, as you said, really shown the alien at all until like the end, because I love these shots yeah. of, you know, hands under doors do you know what I mean? Stuff oh, yeah. like that, or noises and rustlings, or seeing its ankle. You know when he he goes out at night into the crop oh circle. yeah, that's I love great. that yeah. yeah. And you know he drops the flashlights, panicking, pick up the flash, and he sees just an ankle go into the yeah. You know it's it's stuff like that where you're like, oh my god, what what could this thing be in your head? Like those scenes are good, but it spoils that tension a bit because right at the beginning you have a full silhouette of its form, and mm. then like later in the. Uh, in about the two-thirds thirds mark, you get a full look at it on camera. Do you know what I mean? And yet still you have these tense moments where yeah. it's just a finger or a hand or or a rustle. It's like, mm. while that looks cool in isolation, those scenes, 
uh, they kind of lose the suspense overall because you think, well, I know what this thing looks like, you know. You just need to lose that shot of the silhouette on the roof. It's just like, yeah. you just lose that. I know that's how they start, but maybe just use a noise or something. Hmm. Or so it will just make it a lot briefer, a lot blurrier or something yeah. to start off that scene. Yeah. Or make it maybe just an arm or something or whatever. See his head or something. Yeah. Just, you see the back of his skull or something. But yeah, but it was definitely a creepy shot when you when you first see him on the roof, you know, because she's talking about there's a monster in my be- uh, in my bedroom. Oh, yeah. I need a glass of water, and he's like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" <laughs> yeah, that was a great yeah. <laughs> yeah, she just says it so dryly because yeah. <laughs> obviously she's just a kid. <laughs> you mentioned the scene at night where Graham's got the torch and he just sees the leg. Yeah, I really like that how it's constructed, and I really do think um, M. Night Shyamalan has got some real skills with the camera and how he directs like suspenseful scenes, especially in this film. I think he's got some real skill. So I'm kind of really looking forward to old because obviously certainly his recent work has been frankly piss poor, you know, because of, you know, was it After Earth, The Last Airbender, just awful, Mm. really bad stuff. So it's kind of nice for him now like split as well like with old just have a, a smaller budget to work with yeah so you can be cr- more creative with more limitations yeah i think um, i think he thrives in a smaller budget i think that's his focus and training you know yeah what i mean i think that's where yeah that that's his strength i think the mistake is giving uh, him yeah hundreds of millions you know so i do think sometimes like directors do find it quite difficult when they've got huge budgets to deal with i think you do have to have a lot of experience with that type of movie you mentioned the scene with graham with the torch and the leg where he just sees the leg in the crop fields at night yeah m night really constructs that really well with how he does the suspense with the rhythm because there's a lot of like slow slow quick with the pacing of the suspense building and when you eventually see the leg of the alien in the crops it's at a point where you don't uh, expect it so soon after he turns the torchlight back on because mm. you would expect it more if if he looks around a bit more with the light and then as he walks away something happens there you know that suspense rhythm is used like so often so it's nice to see the suspense like kind of undercut so quickly in that scene so i feel like everything prior to that when he enters the crop path is like one suspense cycle kind of thing and when the torch goes out, the suspense starts again, and then the reveal happens straight away. And there's no way like anything would happen while the torch was out, you know, at, at so early on in the film, mainly because you can't see anything. Yeah. So I just kind of like that that rhythm, really. Yeah. But it's done brilliantly. Again, the same suspense structure happens again, but with greater effect. With Graham trying to look under the door with the nice reflection. Uh, you know, the first time he tries, it's drawn out and, you know, nothing happens. You know, he's about to walk out yeah. and then he changes his mind. He tries it again and the alien hand is straight out, straight away, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it scared the shit out of me because <laughs> I didn't expect yeah. it. No, I th- I, th- I think it's brilliant because, because you like know there's an alien there and it's pacing and then it stops still. Then you think, oh, he's going to walk yeah. away. Then he's got a knife. You're like, what's he going to do? He's trying to look under the door. Can't see shit. Tries again. Can't see shit. Then goes down just with his head down and it's... Yeah. 
Yeah, that was really good. Because naturally, I didn't expect it so early after he, you know, when he puts the knife on. You know, the the hand is literally right there in your face before you even realize what's happening. It's just really skilled directing. Because again, like, when he would do that, you probably, like, you probably look at the knife a little bit for a few beats and then it would happen Mm. typically but it's literally happens immediately so you have like as i'm trying to say is like you have this long drawn out suspense sequence nothing happens you know there's no payoff and then when the suspense starts building again literally after the second beat or even just after the first one you know the scare happens you know it's really clever Mm. it's really clever but the scene actually that sticks out the most for me is like the Brazilian kids party like news footage scene when you see the alien just appear from the bushes you know and walks across the screen mm. it's all it always used to make me jump <laughs> you yeah. know with the camcorder footage you know yeah yeah no i agree with that especially like intercut with uh Meryl's reaction to it because he's intently watching the footage. He's like, "Get out of the way, kid!" You know, and he's like trying to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, I'm invested in his attention. You know, to the to the footage, uh, and it's again one of those things. It's like you can't see it in the bush. You know, the kids are in the way. It's you still can't see the damn. And then it's just it just fucking walks past the camera, and he's like, "What the hell?" Yeah, it did kind of come out of nowhere. But I guess the camcorder like footage does hide the dodgy CGI thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was fairly clever, I guess. Yeah. An- another thing I quite liked is when the house is kind of getting like at the end getting kind of broken into. There's uh, you know, all that noise and stuff yeah. and everything goes quiet. What the coal the coal vent in the basement, you mean? Um I didn't mean that one, but that one was a really good one as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that because the the arm looked the same as the coal vent. Yeah, because it they find out they can uh, change colors, mm. blend into the background. Yes, but I mean, why would Morgan like stand right next to the coal vent <laughs> with his back to it? Yeah, it's a bit silly. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> but um... <laughs> but I did like the cut like straight to the torch on the floor, and you're just like so desperate to see what happens, mm. you know. And the rest of the scene plays out, but just with the camera on the torch on the floor that was quite good i mean i like how the final scene when they come when they come up from the basement there's practically like no suspense building at all you know because the coast is clear you know graham brings out the tv and then all of a sudden you see the reflection of the alien in the tv Hmm. (laughs) yeah and it's right there with them that was quite quite clever have you got a favorite shot then Mine is definitely like the alien's hand coming under the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually what I was going to so say. It just before, feels yeah. like it's right in your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the hand coming under the door. Yeah. That was a really good one. You know where it kind of it has a POV shot from the alien's point of view. He's getting the shit beaten out of him at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. Quite like yeah. That. That, was, that was a good use. Oh, when the glass when the glass falls into his face. Bo, the kid in it, it just reminds me of my brother. Sometimes he just leaves glasses of water everywhere. I'm just like, for fuck's sake. It's to save you from an alien threat. <laughs> yeah. So if if these aliens come down in real life, I'll be fine, yes, to be honest. Exactly. You'll be thinking. Especially your if brother. you go if they come through the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> Swing, Chris. Yeah. Swing. <laughs> yeah. So score for directing Boaz, what are you going for? Yeah, I think it's it's directed pretty well. You know, despite some shoddy CGI, you know, mm. and not a very interesting creature design. I I'll go eight point two. 
Yeah, I think M. Night Shyamalan does a really good job in this, and certainly in terms of suspense building and the scares. He uses lots of different techniques. Certainly with the rhythms of the suspense, he really catches catches you out as an audience member. So I, and I think that's really, really skilled. And I'm not sure a lot of directors can do that um, when they're doing their own suspenseful films. Sometimes you can just see it coming a mile away, but you can't in this film. So I think I'll go like 8.7. Oh, that's a good one. I was going to say another scene I just want to touch on um, because it's a building of uh, suspense and I quite liked it. And I even forgot that it was a scene, but it's not scary, but I quite liked it. It is where they kind of think that this is bullshit, yeah? Uh, The aliens and all this stuff. And I love with the baby monitor where it starts to pick up stuff. It starts to pick up like voices. and. I just like that whole scene of like oh quick... Morgan gets on the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a quick realization of like, oh my god, no, this is actually quite real. And then they're trying to get higher and higher and higher to, uh, to you know, to listen in. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Right, screenplay then. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how Mel Gibson's character as Graham Hess is written. So obviously he's an ex-reverend and, you know, he's at the start of the film, he's lost his faith. And there's a scene where he sat down with Meryl and he's talking to him on the sofa and they're watching these lights appear on the news channel in the sky. And Meryl asks to be comforted by him and says there are two types of people uh, when they experience something lucky, the people who see see it as more than luck that a higher power is involved and the people who just see the situation as blind luck, you know, in a 50-50 situation, deep down, they are filled with fear. And then Meryl explains, like, his experience with his girl he liked, that he was about to kiss her, but then she throws up. Oh, yeah. And he he said he was chewing his gum, so he he put it down. He goes, in that second. Like, if he didn't do that, he would have kissed her. Yeah. And he calls it a miracle. You know, <laughs> so he's the, he's in the group that, you know, believes a higher power is involved. And then Graham asks, <laughs> do you feel comforted? And then Meryl's like, yeah. And then Graham later reveals that uh, what group he's in and says, there is no one watching out for us, Meryl. Uh, you know, and then when after his wife dies, her last words were swing away. That was a coincidence and was just a random memory. It's like with the terrible accident that happened to his wife, why didn't a miracle happen for him then, you know? So because of what happened to his wife, it's just like, why does she have to die like this? You know, <laughs> I'm a man of faith. Why couldn't she have been saved somehow? Mm. So uh, what do you think about, you know, Graham Hess's character? Yeah, I, I mean, I quite like Graham. And he does go through like an arc of, of faith and stuff like that, uh, which is central to the plot of the film. It's like he does mm. seem quite distant, like with his kids and with people. Like uh, you, you can tell something's on his mind or something terrible's happened. He's got a very negative outlook on the world. He's very pessimistic. Yeah. You do get kind of like, as you said, like a, a glimpse into how he used to be when he's trying to comfort his brother. But he's like, yeah, no, I just don't believe. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all kind of screwed. But yeah, it's interesting how like all the other characters perceive him, though, when he's clearly saying that, you know, I'm not a man of faith anymore. I'm not a reverend anymore. Yet people still want to be comforted by him. Mm. <laughs> you know, Meryl says he wants to be comforted, but he's like, no, I'm just going to tell you the truth, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> 
what the situation is yeah. in reality. Because it, it is laced with a little bit of humour, that sequence, when he said, does ask, like, are you, are you comforted now? <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, all right, I'm going to tell you the truth then. <laughs> or, you know, or how I feel now. Because if he tells him how he feels before he gets comforted, he'll just feel like shit. He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, great, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting with Meryl's relationship with Graham, because then later on, like, the scene when Graham is helping Morgan to breathe after an asthma attack, you know, it's quite an emotional scene, and there's a lot of shots on Meryl's reaction, and it's like Meryl's just seeing this false hope Graham's giving Morgan in his eyes and then we cut more to the flashback of Graham finding out more information about what happened to his wife like he's trying to cling on as to as much hope as possible but he can't because he knows it's useless and then Meryl confronts him about it that he never wants to see that again from Graham you know mm. <laughs> I kind of read that scene wrong at the beginning that I thought Meryl was like yeah, Graham is really helping him, but no, he's turns out that it's uh, yeah, he doesn't want to see those same eyes again. Yeah, with his son. Well, yeah, because he said it. It looked like you know he knew that they were gonna die. Do you know what I mean? He didn't say it, but it looked like he didn't believe the comforting things he was saying. So he's like, "Don't do that shit again." You know, yeah, like you've got to believe that we're gonna make this. Mm. I was a bit bummed out when both dogs died, though. I was like, "Oh man." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, come on, guys, kill one dog, but both, <laughs> come on. Yeah, yeah that's a bit harsh. <laughs> that's just harsh. Yeah, I think it's 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 about the most powerful thing these fucking yeah. aliens can kill. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are scarier mm. in retrospect, though. Yeah, no, and it's kind of a, it's a shame with the first dog because it goes. Yeah, this is before you like fully find out that there's aliens. It's right at it's the beginning. Bell, yeah, and uh, the dog is just going completely ballistic because it senses the the threat and. Um, <laughs> He's got to kill his own dog, you know, the yeah. kid, yeah. I mean, I like the final scene where the alien has Morgan in his arms and we cut to the last bit of, of the flashback and his wife says, swing away. And we come back to the conversation he had with Meryl where he says, so what you have to ask yourself, what kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person that sees signs, sees miracles? Or do you believe that people just get lucky? Or is it possible there are no coincidences? And it's like, you know, did his wife meant to say that, swing away, so that he can tell Meryl that at the right time to save Morgan, you know, has everything that's happened meant to happen to save his family and rediscover his faith? Or was it all just a coincidence? And then when Morgan recovers, he, he asks, did someone save me? And Graham says, yeah, baby, I think someone did. You know, and then in that moment, his his uh, faith is restored. I don't know whether M. Night Shyamalan is religious or not. So I guess with the script, it's very much a exercise in whether you believe in faith and or when things align for you, is it just coincidence? Hmm. I mean, it's just a movie, but yeah. it's it's an interesting examination. What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, from his point of view, like everything that has happened, even the seemingly random and terrible is culminated in this moment and so it, it appears to have some actual meaning in like you know defeating the uh alien and saving mm. his son you know had his wife not died she wouldn't have said all those things that seem to correspond with the current predicament they're in you know had his daughter not left water all over the bloody house 
they wouldn't have killed this thing had his brother not dropped out of playing contaminated baseball. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> contaminated. Had his brother not dropped out of playing baseball, he would never have hung yeah. the uh, baseball bat on the wall, you know, and come live with him because his wife died. Yeah, you know, so it's like it seems almost like too perfect that everything's uh, all the seemingly random, yeah. stupid stuff <laughs> that's happened in this film. Like it seems perfectly lined up, and then obviously his uh, son's asthma as well, which is always a bad thing. It saves his, it saves his ass because mm. you know he gets poisoned, but he doesn't breathe it in. Because uh, he's having an asthma attack. Yeah. It's one of those things. It just it all culminates in this like perfect storm, which saves his family. So he's like, even the seemingly horrible stuff, maybe it has a purpose. M. Night Shyamalan's character says something very similar because yeah. he, you know, he has a starring war- role as a character who's kind of responsible for Graham's wife's death. And he says, like, I was asleep at the wheel for like ten seconds. Yeah, it's the first time that's happened. And mm. you know, she was right there. Had I fallen asleep. 10 seconds later, like there were no cars or 10 seconds before she would have been fine. It's almost like it was meant to happen. It sounds like a shitty thing to say to the guy whose wife you killed. Like maybe it's it's meant to be, but you know, it's like at the end of the film, her death does serve a purpose. So I don't know. That's what the film Mm. is about. It's kind of, how do you explain the bad things? It's like, well, maybe, maybe they fill a purpose. Yeah, it's a great scene that because Mel Gibson is very much like don't you know, and you can feel him getting increasingly more angry, and it's just like oh, oh dear, yeah, stop talking, M Night. <laughs> but it's fine in the end. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's just it's a film that basically puts into question: Do you believe in things like this, like fate, or not, or, or is it all just coincidence? So I've never really experienced anything like that where everything just aligned perfectly for me, but. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly believe in anything like that, but I don't know. It's 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 interesting to yeah. watch anyway. It's still a really good film. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't kind of believe in in like supernatural stuff, but there have been times where there is just it's like the perfect coincidences. You're just like, I'm here. This is there. I've got this. Just everything's lined up. You know, I need this, and it it happens. It's like you're mm. like, oh my god, it's just, just amazing. Couldn't make this stuff up. I'll tell you about it sometime. Because, like, certainly with, with how this film plays out, I mean, it's just ridiculous how everything just seems to line up so perfectly at the end. Yeah. You know, this could only really happen in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, who knows? Maybe the ne- next real alien invasion we have, who knows? <laughs> Will this happen? <laughs> but, I mean, saying that, it doesn't detract from the movie, you know. I, I still really enjoy it. Mm. Have you got a favourite line, then? You tell me yours first, and then I'll remember mine. There's a monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water? Yeah, that's a pretty damn good line. <laughs> yeah, I'll just pick that one. Okay. There's a good one from Mel Gibson when Meryl's trying to explain what they should do when they run around the house. <laughs> and Mel Gibson just just shouting, Ah, I'm insane with anger! <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely out of my mind! <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. Score, Boaz, what are you going for for screenplay? 7.6? No, 7.8. 7.8. What shall I go with? Yes, everything you know in this film kind of aligns up, and which can only happen in, in a movie, which I just said. But I just feel like certainly with the suspense building, you know, that's partly directing, yeah, but you have to have decent writing in there as well. I don't think the characters are anything special. I mean, Graham Hess's character is really interesting. How you know the reasoning why he's not reverent anymore, and. You know, how he becomes irreverent again at the end um, is interesting. So I'll go like 
7.9, I think. Acting. I would probably say the acting is the weakest element of the film. There's there's no, like, standout performances, I would say. Mm. You know, Mel Gibson's is, is good, but for what he's given in the script, um, he does a great job with it. it. You know, it's fine. There are some interesting moments. You know, I like the piece of acting from Mel Gibson and, and, and Rory Culkin when Graham finds Morgan in the in the crop field at the start. Uh, Morgan is staring at the crop fields and Mel uh, Graham puts his hand on his face and turns his head to look at him and says, are you hurt? And then Morgan says, I think God did it. Graham says, did what, Morgan? Then Rory puts his hand on Graham's face and turns his head to look at the crop circle. Yeah. And I thought that was quite a nice dramatic way to reveal the crop circles as the camera pulls out. Yeah, yeah, that was you pretty know, good, yeah. That was pretty cool. Uh, I like the uh, like the line and, and even the delivery, you know, where they're trying to record the news, you know, about the uh, aliens and stuff. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, and I just love that where he's like, "We need a tape to record this." He's like, uh, "We'll use this." And it's like that's my ballet recital, you know. The bow's like, but it's like you know, it's the most important discovery. Oh, right. yeah, Your okay. children are going to be talking about this moment, bow. As he's like, "But my ballet recital." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was adorable. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love the piece of acting from Mel Gibson when he's at the dinner table and everyone's not eating. He asks, like, what they want to eat, you know, for their, well, in his eyes, like, what their final meal is going to be, yeah. potentially. But then, like, everyone's not eating. <laughs> and, you know, and Morgan says he hates him. And then Graham starts eating everything while starting to cry. And then... At the end, like all of them have like a group hug, mm. uh, and it's it's a brilliant unraveling from Mel Gibson there emotionally. That's certainly the strongest scene from him, I think. Mm. You know that he continues to uh, reject his faith, and then you know he needs comforting from his family, and and the way Graham just like grabs Meryl, you know, in that close up just undercuts the emotions quickly with humor, and then you go straight into the next suspenseful scene, which I thought was quite clever. Yeah, and I like also, you know, we already talked about it, you know, Merrill telling off Graham that he doesn't didn't have oh, faith yeah. that they thought they were going to live and stuff and and mm. win this. And I quite like that telling off, and I thought mm. that was a good performance from uh, Phoenix. He's quite docile mm. through most of the film, and then I just like that, that he showed at least some passion, which we know he's capable of. It's kind of underutilized, in my opinion, yeah. his, his performance. But that was good. That, that bit was good. Do you reckon? I think so. Uh, I, I think he's more of a... He's more You're, of a quiet uh, brother. I mean, if you compare it to some of his other characters who can be quite, I don't know, like eccentric or, or stand out. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted more Meryl then? I mean, I, I want more Whacking Phoenix in like most things. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was Fair good enough. in this. Yeah, I, I just, I really like Whacking Phoenix, man. As child acting goes, I think this is pretty good, to be honest, I, mm. because it's, it doesn't become distracting. They do enough, so you're still in the film. Again, it's like nothing special at all, but uh, yeah, it's competent. Favourite performance? Mel Gibson. Yeah, I'll go Mel Gibson as well, I think. Score for acting. Mr. Encyclopedia Man. I'll give it a 7.5. Yeah, I was going 7.5, I think. I mean, everyone's fine. Again, the strongest elements to this film is definitely the directing for me. Really skilled. And... You know, the actors just deliver what's needed. I don't think you need big performances in a film like this. Yeah. Like really showy or really subtle stuff, you know. 
so yeah it's it's fine it does they the actors do what's what's needed there's some really you know powerful scenes at times but um not overly powerful we've seen certainly films that when the film turns emotional a lot better in that sense mm. compared to this a hell of a lot better so you know it's fine 7.5 i think is quite fair mm. right let's add up the scores then for signs signs gets 47.6 not bad not bad at all so, Mr. Encyclopedia Man, what is your pick for M. Night Shyamalan films? <laughs> it's very hard to say that name. You are getting so fed up with saying his name. Yeah. Shyamalan. Just, just call him M. I don't know. Call him M. <laughs> M. Night. M. Night. That sounds like a really weird superhero. M. Night. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I picked the film Split. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so why why did you pick Split? I picked Split because um, I heard it was very, very good, that it was related to the film Unbreakable, which uh, I was thinking about watching. Uh, well, uh, I have watched Unbreakable anyway. Uh, I quite like that one. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd give this a shot. Cool. Yeah, I have a slight confession to make. I've never seen Unbreakable. Bad, Martin, bad. Heretic. I know, it's bad. Yes. Spank him <laughs> with Birchwood. <laughs> We all have our blind spots, all right? I've just never got around to watching it. Mm. I mean, you've never seen Aliens, so I mean, I mean, that's more, that's worse in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is more unforgivable. But, you know, we're discussing your sins, not mine. <laughs> so, what happens in Split? Uh, the main character yeah. is An- uh, played by A- Anya Taylor Joy. She plays a girl called Casey Cook, who is hanging out with her friends when she is kidnapped by a man. And uh, they're taken to, like, a warehouse or something. It turns out the man that kidnapped them is uh, played by James McAvoy, and he plays a guy called Kevin Wendell. Yeah, Crumb, that's the one. So, And he has, like, multiple personality disorder. He has 23 distinct personalities. Yeah, so they're they're trying to sacrifice these three girls to awaken a 24th personality uh, called the Beast, which he thinks is, like, superhuman and stuff. Yeah, that's basically mm. the film. <laughs> yeah. I think that's my main problem with the film, is the fact that we have to wait so long to see the Beast, and already there, because you know the fact that you know they, they've kidnapped these three girls for the Beast, that means it makes it incredibly hard to do suspense and tension building, because you know these mm. girls are not going to get harmed. <laughs> Because, you know, Patricia and Dennis are basically keeping everyone in line to make sure these girls aren't harmed so the, the beast can can kill them, basically. Yeah, you know, I prefer signs to this one, mainly f- through that fact, but certainly acting-wise, this is a tour de force from James McAvoy. He's pretty unbelievable in this role. He's, he's pretty amazing. Mm. Let's obviously start with directing, as always. I think the main thing with the directing is that I think M. Night is going for creepiness, not really scares or suspense building. And there's a mm. scene where the girls are all separated and Casey, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, wakes up and Hedwig wakes up next to her and he asks to kiss her and they have a very awkward kiss and the camera like pulls out. And there's a pause and then you're like, is something going to happen? But then nothing does. And then because you get no dramatic payoff you end up with a more of a like creepy feel to it the film certainly for the first hour is is very creepy (laughs) creepy atmosphere yeah 
like you know like Dennis as well he's pretty fucking sinister and stuff he kind of just mm. looks at them you can tell he's kind of trying to restrain himself like he's he's a bit it's a bit out there he has like a fixation on their clothes their clothes have to be like clean yeah <laughs> no dust or anything yeah. on their clothes which is kind of a, yeah. an interesting bit of writing for that particular character that McAvoy plays um i mean i like the scene where marcia tries to escape and hits patricia with a chair but patricia soon catches up with her and there's a nice change of focus from maria in the foreground to patricia in the background as he approach as he approach he she approaches and you see a knife is close against marcia's stomach but again never thought for one moment that patricia was going to hurt her because earlier in the film we know they've been captured for the beast and the beast only so i wasn't particularly scared or or filled with suspense in that moment even though we've seen patricia be aggressive already i like the flashback scenes with casey like holding a shotgun to the really creepy uncle (laughs) in the previous scene he asked to take her clothes off and play like animals it's very weird (laughs) and very creepy yeah that was that was pretty unsettling and when she's holding the shotgun it's the shot is on her uncle and you can see the barrel in the shot when it's on the uncle i felt like in that moment you know she could kill him in that moment because you don't really know much about casey's backstory at all compared to the other the danger levels of of the present with all the other girls who are kidnapped you know so that was kind of more suspenseful than anything else really in the first hour at least yeah um also what about the doctor as well when she gets uh kidnapped and then yeah crushed um, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I was left a little bit disappointed when like McAvoy kneels down out of shot in the train just before that on the train carriage and then later he comes up again and there's like no physical change into the beast hmm. and it's still just James McAvoy with his shirt off. Musclier though. Yeah, <laughs> Slightly. But I mean it doesn't feel very distinctive. No it doesn't. Okay I will grant you that. Especially since there's a lot of build up on how the beast will look. You know there's drawings of him as like hairy and monstrous and whatever. Mm. But like he's no different really. Uh, I mean he's way stronger. I think the only thing they really do is they his body is like all veiny and horrible. Yeah. Which was an interesting look. But I didn't see why they they were hiding his face when he was killing the doctor though dr fletcher because i'm like well when you see his face at the end after he's killed her there's like no difference i'm like yeah it's james mcavoy yeah we know that (laughs) why are you hiding his face (laughs) i don't get that that was odd to me i mean i really like the shots where casey has got out and she tries to find the other girls and opens one of the doors and you get a brief look of marcia's body before the camera cuts away and then claire gets dragged away and you can just see a partial shot of the beast eating away at claire's body and you just see you know the beast's shoulder which makes you concentrate on the disgusting noises of the beast munching away on claire (laughs) and i wanted more characters for the beast to kill (laughs) you know and the beast to come out earlier in the film really you know i wanted more victims damn it (laughs) Yeah, the body count is pretty damn low. I think most of it is just James McAvoy switching in from, you know, character to character and the girls trying to find ways to escape. But yeah, it's it's kind of, yeah, it's light on actually, you know, proper development until like right at the end. Then you have obviously the end reveal of Bruce Willis as David Dunn 
from Unbreakable, which for me was very unexpected. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> did not see that coming mm-hmm. at all. I mean, did you see it coming? Or were you completely surprised when you saw David Dunn at the end? Not really, because that's how this film was even on my radar, um, oh, right. was the reveal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when it came out, I didn't really care too much. You know, I was like, oh, it's, it's split and stuff. And they made no promotion about it or anything like that, or, or links yeah. to any prior work of of m night Mm. and then all of a sudden it was just a gas all over the internet it was like oh my god it turns out this is a sequel Mm. to uh we're in the same universe as unbreakable which um i think by that point i can't remember how it's like 15 years or more older it's quite a while since unbreakable was it uh, i think it was very early 2000s right 2002 or something i think it was 2000 what is it 16 year gap between the film so you know it's pretty crazy i'll get it into it on screenplay but i just feel like i would have preferred to i mean i've not seen glass you might have seen more of the personalities in that film but i would have probably preferred a a split two to see more of the personalities because one of my biggest problems Mm. with this film is that you only really see four of them out of 23 or 24 yeah you know i'm just like what (laughs) come on i want more yeah you do see some of the others (laughs) but they're very brief I mean, certainly this film, this type of story with this type of character would really benefit from like multiple sequels or even a TV show or something like that, just to get to know all of these 23 characters. Because um, what was it? As you were saying, you know, it it is probably like four or five personalities that are properly explored. Mm. And yeah, I mean, with that amount, you could do like five a sequel, you know. My favorite shot is when the beast is chasing Casey down the tunnels and Casey is at the end of the tunnel with the shotgun ready, and you see a nice long shot of the beast like on the ceiling, breaking the light bulbs. And then yeah. every so often, when it gets closer and closer, he's running across the tunnels really quick. It's just a nice yeah, way to ramp cool. up the suspense, you know, it, and it's all in one camera angle, which I, which I quite like. It's all in one shot. Hmm. That was probably my favourite. Well, actually, I think the, the reveal of him as, like, uh, Patricia... Or whatever. I thought that was kind of amusing. Yeah. Where, um, you know, they think it's another woman and they're trying to get her attention. Oh, when and, she's uh, peeking, yeah. when they're peeking through the door. Yeah. Well, it's her looking through the, the crack in the the door, trying to mm-hmm. look out for him. And I just like that intercut of her just, you know, close up of her eye and outside the door and then them trying to get out and stuff. I just, I like the editing of that. I thought that was pretty, Yeah, it's pretty good. Just ramping up the... Oh, he's going to come, he's going to come, he's going to come. And then when he does arrive, you're like, ah, shit. Directing score for me, I don't, personally, don't think it's as well directed as Signs. Certainly, M. Night is very much going for a different style of directing in this film. Even when the beast comes out, when you get all the suspenseful stuff, it's not as good as the stuff in Signs. And he's certainly going for more of a creepy feel, certainly leading up to the beast reveal. Some of it works, some of it doesn't, I don't think. So I'll go like a 7.2. How about you, sir? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's some fair criticism, I suppose. Yeah, maybe like a 7.4. Right, screenplay then. I quite like the opening dialogue scene, actually, with the personality of Barry and the psychiatrist, Dr. Karen Fletcher, played by Betty Buckley, where Barry sent her, like, an urgent email or one of them one of the personalities sent her an, a, an urgent email to see her 
and when he arrives it's just seems to be a social call uh he brings his you know his fashion drawings and dr fletcher keeps asking is everything okay is there something wrong because she suspects barry's acting weird you know it doesn't seem right mm. and when barry is about to leave he forgets his drawings and dr fletcher says you're usually so protective about your drawings but Barry's still quite calm and just takes them back casually. And it just brings into question, do these personalities know about the kidnappings or not? Or as Barry is just dismissing the question, you know, obviously later on, there's a thread where she suspects Barry isn't Barry. It's someone else pretending to be Barry, uh, you know, Dennis pretending yeah. to be Barry. So it's just quite an yeah. interesting opening scene with the the doctor and the so-called barry at the start you know we've just putting into question of what personalities know what about the beast um i do i do like uh when she's working it out that it's it's dennis although i did find that a bit mm. schlocky that she basically has her finger on the trigger and i thought it was just going to be like he would reveal it then instead of later you know, where she's like, I think I might be talking to Dennis, and she goes over this. And you can see he's kind of starting to, like, his eyes are saying it, like, you know, oh, shit, she's worked it out. Unravel a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but he's uh, he's still trying to carry on the charade, and he's like, he's not being fussy with the chocolates. He's, like, getting it over himself. It's like, you know, see, Dennis would start having a freak out if he did this, you know. And I thought it was yeah. kind of a bit crazy how she's like, oh, well, I guess my mistake and yet he reveals it in another scene. I, I thought that maybe if you just mashed those scenes together, it would have made a lot more sense Like and gave her a, more of a benefit of the doubt. It's like, yeah, she has her finger on it. She should have just called him out then. Like, yeah, no, you're full of shit. I know, I know who I'm talking to. Maybe. I think it's just interesting maybe in that scene, the fact that she knows in that moment that this isn't Barry, but she just doesn't want to tell him yet to see what he does. And in um, Dennis's yeah. perspective, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm... I'm this charade is still okay. I'm still good here. She doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't mind that too much, to be honest. I quite like the scene where we see Hedwig for the first time and Casey learns that he's only nine years old and tries to manipulate him to let uh, them out, but fails. But I, what I like about the character is that it gives Casey's character intelligence and it's shot very tight and intensely to create this tension because we haven't seen the other personalities like switch yet like in camera you know with casey like whispering in hedwig's ear i'm like what if he turns <laughs> then later you <laughs> yeah. know she uses a different tactic on hedwig by telling him the truth about her past and that she's you know about her loneliness which works on hedwig to show him his room because he says mm. in his room there's a window but it's a drawing of a window <laughs> she's like ah oh, crap <laughs> that was a good reveal like, where's the window? Yeah. Oh, you thought it was real? Hang on a minute. Did you want to escape? I like <laughs> I like that. And then she yeah. just tries to basically beat him down and then talk on his, mm. his radio. I think one of my biggest problems with this script comes when Dr. Fletcher is at a video conference and she says, have these individuals, through their suffering, unlocked the potential of the brain? Is this the ultimate doorway to all things we call unknown? Is this where our sense of the supernatural comes from? It's a great line. I like the line, but I just feel like this is a big statement and a big ideal that the film hasn't earned yet. 
you know, and there's been like a few teases about something that has plans for the girls. And you see a drawing of a monster in Dr. Fletcher's office. There's not much at all, really. And I feel like the film sets it up for a disappointment when we finally see McAvoy as the beast and it drags it out too long for me. And there's there's no jeopardy until the beast comes out, as I said before. You know, I just feel like that scene could have come a lot later, maybe in the film rather than so early. Mm. Basically, for the rest of the film, you're just waiting for him to come out. Like, can we see the beast yet, please? Come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> beast time. <laughs> Another 20 minutes goes by. <laughs> Did you find that, yeah. or did it not bother you? Yeah, I suppose in retrospect, yeah, they do build it up quite a lot. You know, I mean, everybody's also asking about it, so it it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it keeps it very firmly in your mind that after the about the twentieth conversation uh, about the beast, you you are uh, almost desperate to know what what the fuck is you know happening with this thing. And then, uh, yeah, I think as you said, you know, when it does happen, it's it's again just McAvoy, but without a shirt. <laughs> I just feel like, again, it's a case of a scene that's in the wrong place, maybe. I would say, yeah, the pacing, but I do kind of like the fact that Casey is using that time to try and come up with things, but they all are, uh, of trying to escape. Yeah. And I do like, you know, his interactions with the Doctor and stuff like that. I think, you know, they get on pretty well. So, yeah, I, mm. I kind of, I do see your point, I guess, yeah. That's why I, th- I just feel like this type of story could have benefited from... Maybe a TV show, really, rather than a movie. I just don't think it works as a film in terms of that. Because then, you know, M. Night is basically relying on, like, very minimal suspense building and mostly on creepiness until the Beast shows up. So, you know, they've obviously made a very conscious choice in the script to to keep the Beast hidden for as long as they can. It's just disappointing when you do see the beast that it's it's just McAvoy with his shirt off. So it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. That's annoying. Because <laughs> she says, like, every personality, that, like, the brain chemistry changes or whatever. It, ch- it basically physically changes them. So, yeah. yeah, it's just a little disappointing with that at the end when you do see the beast. Yes, she tries to stab him and the knife breaks. Well, he takes, like, two mm. shotgun rounds to the chest, like, at the end. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah. That's why I'm just like, if if you're not going to have a massive physical change, then let's see him earlier in the movie. I found the scene when uh, Casey breaks out and finds a computer and clicks on the video files of some of the other personalities, like Jade and Orwell. But then when she clicks on Barry, I'm like, we've seen Barry already. Why can't you click on some of the others? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> you know, I wanted to see more of the other personalities... Because we only really get to see four of them, Hedwig, Patricia, Dennis, and Barry. You know, we see a bit of Jade, we see a bit of Orwell, we see a bit of Kevin at the end, and obviously the Beast. But that's about it. So for me, it's a shame we didn't see more. Yeah, I do I do kind of see your point uh, that maybe he could have been the Beast for longer, because that might be considered like a plot hole. Like, you know how they sort of mention earlier uh, her friends, like, the only chance we've got is if we just, like, kick the shit out of him. Like, all three of us. I'm paraphrasing, but they're saying, like, let's gang up on him. This is one guy. And I was kind of thinking, yeah, that's a pretty damn good Mm. plan, to be honest with you. You know, he's got no accomplices. Uh, You know, yeah, he's a bigger guy, I suppose. Mm. But, you know, if you just just go ham on him. And it's kind of strange, actually, to do it as a, a, in a writing way, because it's not one of the dumb friends that 
rejects this idea. She doesn't like this idea. She doesn't really mm. like to resist that much. But then again, I think she has a point, to be honest. They don't know who this guy is at all. <laughs> we don't, you know, they don't know where they are. Although, you know, I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, yeah. if you kind of go from until he turns into the beast where he's basically invulnerable, before mm. they probably could have knocked him out, you know? Yeah, waited for Hedwig. Yeah, yeah, they could have knocked out Hedwig. Yeah, maybe maybe if he uh, kind of could turn into the Beast a lot earlier, then it's got more of a serious threat, because he could take whatever the hell they tried to throw at him, and they wouldn't be able to escape. So, But I guess countering my point with the fact that I wanted to see more characters, but then if you do that in a film like this that's just two hours, then... Well, then they've got less time. Yeah, yeah. Patricia, Barry, Dennis, and Hedwig are just going to feel like very minimal characters so you basically yeah. i guess m night made a decision like right we've got 23 personalities plus the beast what characters do i like the most which ones are we going to focus on mm. so i respect that but i just feel like again i haven't seen glass so maybe they explore some of the other personalities in that one but yeah i want like split two and three you know to see more of these characters develop the script makes it very clear that like patricia and dennis are in charge they're the ones in charge and yeah. they've kind of suppressed kevin he doesn't get a say at all until casey says uh his name to get rid of the beast you know so it would be nice to see more of that like interplay between the personalities you know but it doesn't look like we're going to get like a, a uh, you know a split two or anything like that but it just makes me more eager to maybe see Glass to see where it goes with the other personalities. Have you got a favourite line then? When uh, Hedwig kisses her and says something like, I think you're pregnant now. Or something like oh, that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're pregnant now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. My favourite line is definitely from Hedwig as well, when he says, but he's done awful things to people and he'll do awful things to you. I have blue socks too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my favorite. <laughs> As I've said, I, I, I just felt frustrated because I think this is a really, really great idea, and I, I really like it. With you know, a guy with split personality disorder, and like one of them is like supernatural, and there's loads of others, you know, twenty three others. So I'm just like, when you don't see that many, and throughout the film, there's just not much suspense. And I never felt for one minute these girls were going to be harmed until the beast arrives. Even then, it happened quite quickly when yeah. they did uh, when he did arrive. Like, I mean, mm. as soon as he arrives at the compound, like they're dead within like less than two minutes. Yeah, Marcy is already dead. <laughs> yeah, she's already dead, and the other one just dies like the very next second. So I think that mm. is kind of like they could have built it up. And even if you're going to have him show up at the end, make it more of a, uh, you know, a chase and, uh, do you know what I mean? Like a, a survival, mm. like pick pick him off sort of yeah, film. Yeah, definitely. He kills them too quickly. He kills like all three ladies yeah. just like bang, 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 bang. They're gone. And then is having more of a, a chase with the, the last girl who is who's fine at the end. So I'll go 6.9. <laughs> so what are you going to go with for screenplay? <laughs> oh man, that is there are some really good lines in it is the thing, but I do I do basically agree with everything you've said. So yeah. and I like Hedwig <laughs> and stuff and the girl and and the performances are good, but um Jesus. Uh 6.5. Oh, that's harsh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought mine was harsh. Yeah, I got to be harsh. Yeah. Okay. 
Acting for me, though, is definitely the strongest part of this film. James McAvoy is amazing. (laughs) He is so good. I think if I was to sell this film to someone, I would say just watch James McAvoy. He's amazing. (laughs) Just watch it for him. That's it. (laughs) I would say watch this film. They're going to say, who's his star? I'll say James McAvoy, James McAvoy, James McAvoy, James (laughs) McAvoy, James McAvoy. But yeah, and I I do like how distinct uh, a lot of the characters are the ones that he mm. plays like they are very different like not just accents and what have you but mannerisms gait like how they walk mm. um yeah. just every everything is quite different and then i like how much later in the film uh he can switch between them quite seamlessly yeah like even say you know so when she says the trigger word but even like right at the end where he's talking to his naked body in the mirror and he's talking to each of the personality you're like mm. yeah that's hedwig oh shit that's patricia Oh, that's Dennis. Yeah, that's Hedwig again. You're like, uh, it's just, it's just kind of amazing, you know. It's so distinctive. It's so distinctive. Just, you know, the way his face looks, just everything. It's they're they're very different, and mm. um, I think it's uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's it, a it's a masterclass in in acting. Oh yeah, definitely. You mentioned briefly, you know, the scene when Casey says Kevin Wendell Crumb to the beast near the end and McAvoy goes through pretty much every personality that we've seen and they don't cut around him too much you see him change personality in shot at least like three times you know it's really impressive from McAvoy each as you said like each personality feels really distinct from each other uh, especially in this scene and boy can he make his veins pop out my god (laughs) (laughs) I think that was done in post. <laughs> yeah. Really? All right. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah. Because you remember when he's uh, when he changes into the beast. I don't think that looked natural. Where the veins are just slowly creeping up. Oh no, up no, and, that's and makeup, obviously. It. But I mean, yeah, like the veins yeah. in his face, kind of thing. Oh, the veins in his um, face. Yeah, I thought you meant as the beast, like yeah. in his body. It's like no, no. that is definitely <laughs> done. In, yeah. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The veins in his face, definitely. I mean, one of my favourite moments from James McAvoy is when he switches from Barry to Dennis. You know, that scene you mentioned earlier uh, that you kind of wanted to be merged into one. Uh, Yeah, but of course, he's always been Dennis pretending to be Barry in those psychiatrist scenes, seeing Dr. Fletcher. And as Barry, his shoulders are like really slouched and he has a very like camp expression on his face with high eyebrows. But when he changes to Dennis, he sits up straighter and his face is tighter in his eyebrows. And it's really impressive. You recognize the character of Dennis has arrived immediately. You know, there's no doubt that he's Hmm. changed, you know, because he doesn't say anything either when he changes. It's all in his face. It's brilliant. Hmm. I quite like the piece of acting from Anya Taylor-Joy, like near the start, when when in the car she sees the boxes fallen in the wing mirror and then someone else has gotten into the car uh, the driver's seat and it seems like it takes an age in turning her head to see who it is you know i like how they leave you hanging for so long before you see james mcfoy in the car it just felt felt like a long time in that scene yeah it's like please turn your head who the hell is that <laughs> i i thought it was quite impressive yeah like you know just look up uh, I think she just didn't want to face the situation. I also thought it was kind of strange where he doesn't notice her. It's kind of the thing of she's so inconsequential. Like, he mm. takes out the girls. He's going to carry on with his merry business, and she's like, I can't believe he hasn't looked. Yeah. And she's trying to open the door. And then he turns over yeah. and gasses her. 
I think one of the most impressive parts when McAvoy is the beast, when he's pulling the bars apart with like blood in his mouth, and it really felt like we were seeing more of the beast in McAvoy's like really extreme expressions in that. Uh, it was really quite a striking image that he he pulls in that moment. That that was probably mm. for me McAvoy's best bit as the beast. Yeah, him at his beastiest. And finally, Hedwig dancing to dubstep is weird and amazing at the same time. <laughs> wow, that was yeah. extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I think they should do a um a f- a split film where it's just McAvoy. Just McAvoy and just just his other characters, you know. Maybe he's locked up in a, um, you know, in, in a prison where they they put you on an your asylum. Own. <laughs> well, no, no, but you know what I mean. Like, well, yeah, I suppose. Oh, right, okay. But you know where it's like particularly, it's like a punishment. Particularly dangerous criminals, they can get put mm. in a just a room on their own. You know. Yeah. So they don't bother anybody. It's like a punishment. That'd be interesting. Mm. Just see him in a room just, uh-huh. for two hours. Yeah. Switching maybe, between yeah. personalities. Then you could maybe see more personalities then, to be fair. <laughs> I think so, yeah, because you won't have any other background characters to mm. fill in the, uh, you know. My favourite performance, James McAvoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So score for me, I'm going to go pretty high, to be honest, because I think, yeah, everyone else other than McAvoy is it's good, you know. I find Anya Taylor-Joy very watchable. The others, you know, fine, but... McAvoy, this is all about James McAvoy, this film. He is amazing. <laughs> He's got to work out three, four different whole characters. Plus, he's got to work out what the beast is going to look like, his movement. And he's got to work out like two other characters, like Jade and Orwell. He's got to work out Jade and Orwell. That's a lot of work. And he makes yeah. all these characters so distinctive. So I'm going to go pretty high on this, like 9.4, I think, for acting. Yeah, I think I'll go. I'll, I'll go pretty damn high, 9.6 or something. Cool. Right, let's add up the scores then for Split. Split gets 47. Exactly. <laughs> so really, yeah. So Signs gets 47.6. So Signs wins by 0.6 points. <laughs> Damn, that's close. So very tight. Very, very <laughs> tight. Why do you say that so sexually? Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Calm down. What? All right. So tight. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I think you're getting too excited with James McAvoy, shirtless James McAvoy. I know. Oh, those yeah. veins. Christ. <laughs> um. I'd like to see his beast. <laughs> Oh, it's gone bad already. God. Yeah. <laughs> End quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Disconnect. Next week, as Disney keeps churning out stuff, we'll be having a look at the film Jungle Cruise and its star, Emily Blunt. So we're going to pick our favourite Emily Blunt films for next week. And plus, nice. look out for our loki episode so if you've been watching the loki tv show we're going to do a little special on that as well so check that one out too right thanks boaz you've been rather good as always wait what well, i thought Bye. it was awesome what the hell what the hell happened did i get a downgrade <laughs> on special occasions boaz. screw you special i'll try but i'll try harder next time all right bye <clears throat> bye That's it for this week's pod. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it.
If you would like to find out more about the podcast or suggest future topics for us to discuss related to upcoming releases, let us know on Instagram at Film vs. Film Podcast and on Twitter at FVF underscore podcast. Remember, please subscribe. Pod, signing off. Thank <laughs> you.